Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Anybody ever see Alone? Watch any episodes from it? So I started weird. I started at the latest season, and now I'm back to season one. I got through it, and now I'm back to season two. So here's, here's the storyline. Yes, it's a survival thing, but it's just these, they take 10 people and they drop them into a place that they know nothing about into the wilderness, and whoever survives the longest gets a half a mil. They get 10 things that they're given in order to do survival and stuff, but the real trick is being alone. And what I'm shocked so far in getting through two seasons of us, I did hear one guy praise the Lord one time, a kid from Iowa, of course. <laughs> and nobody's praying. None of them have prayed so far. I'm not alone. No matter where I go, I'm going, how come you aren't praying? I would be getting up every morning saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, you better give me a duck this morning because I'm hungry. Please, God, send a fish my way. They don't show any. Now, maybe they've restricted it and they won't allow that. And maybe those guys are really doing it. But all of them start talking to the camera like it's the Holy Spirit. They start their whole lives because they're finally in complete solitude. I will never, ever be in complete solitude again. I'm the temple of God. He dwells in me. Now, it's a tough situation, you know, no no doubt. And it's been fun to watch the psychology of it. And that's the hardest part is the psychology of it, being alone with yourself. Most of us don't even, it, it takes a lifetime to learn to like yourself. It really does. Because even in the hidden, even the most egotistical of people, deep when they're deeply alone and look in the mirror, they're going, oh man, that whole bunch of stuff I just told those people about me was a lie. You know, it's just, so you got to get alone with yourself. But here's the thing. Paul said this, we are not simply survivors, we are more than Conquerors. Through what? Through what? Jesus Christ who what? Strengthens me. Oh my gosh. So what does this mean? You know, it's a fun program and everything. By the way, the one guy called his camera Chad, so I don't know if that's a compliment or not, Chad. So You don't have to talk to a camera. Talk to the God who dwells in you. You are never alone. Now think through that for everything that we're going to go through in this life today, tomorrow. Every good situation, every little ugly stinking situation, and it seems like there can be a hundred of them some days. But through all those, you're not alone. You have someone to talk to. And it's not a camera that you flip off and on. And sometimes it's your weakest prayer, help, Lord. And sometimes it's a, hear my loud hallelujah. 
in both cases, you are the temple of the living God. And he chose to dwell in you. And you went from darkness to light. And I don't dwell in darkness, so even when I'm alone, I am not afraid. Is that? So I don't know what... Someone in here needed to hear at least part of this. And it's not just the rantings of an of a old guy. I want to pray for you right now. And I, I don't know, maybe it's for all of us, but whoever that person is, you are more than a conqueror. God has not abandoned you. This is my prayer for you, that you would hear deep inside of your aloneness, God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. God has not forsaken you. God has not left you. God's not angry with you. He's not disappointed, discouraged. He is with you. You are the God who is with them. You are with them. And that miracle cannot be taken away. And I ask that you would strengthen them in their inner person this morning, that where they are, they would know that they are the temple and that you do have a plan and you haven't abandoned it and you will keep working your will into their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any announcements? God's economy, we've looked at this, and we talked about the benefits of growing in grace and knowledge. I want to talk to you about the way economy works and what I mean by economy, because a lot of people don't understand this. Our operating system is grace and truth. But within that, we have lots of different apps that God put into life that we're supposed to gain understanding of, and they're, they're, they are there for us to use, but we don't always open the app up. Matter of fact, much of the time we don't open the app up. So when you look at this, and when you see clearly, this is 2 Peter 1.5, and this is where we stopped a couple of weeks ago, and it goes through verse 11. So listen to this again, and I want to explain parts of God's economy to you. So Peter writes this, but also for this very reason, you have to look at the reasons in because he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So for this very reason, giving all diligence, that means putting, putting effort into it, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are what? Yours and abound. The only way they can abound is if you add them. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means you don't have to get a studied degree to have the knowledge of God in your life and to be able to understand him and you. So he says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness forgotten that it was cleansed from his old sins. You, when you don't start adding stuff into your life, you forget. 
Therefore, brothers, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will what? Never stumble. I got yelled at for years, so did you, on how not to stumble. What to do and what not to do. And if you did do it, what to do to get it right. But he says, if you're doing this, you're not going to stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you how much? Abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's economy is this. They're the principles of the values of God's kingdom and, the, and his rule throughout this life. It's how, it's how the Holy Spirit dwelling in you operates. He's, he, he does a way of certain ways of doing things. Have you ever thought to yourself, I'm really odd. But this is the way I do it. This is, this is how we roll at our house. And there, there's like a system that you use. Well, there's a system that God has that he uses it. Not to make you right. He made you right. But in order for you to operate successfully, he establishes principles that we're supposed to add into our lives. We'll come back to the, what you add. So I'm using the word economy here as it relates to so much more than money and finances. The, if you will, modern or postmodern church today. Whenever we read parables of Jesus that he's talking about money, we immediately move it into the realm of money. And guess what? He's not talking about money. He actually didn't care much about it. Money didn't have any hold over him. He had, very different than us, he didn't have any love of money in his life. None. Zero. Why? Because it says the love of money is the root of all evil, and there was no root of evil in him. He operated completely within the Holy Spirit. And so it didn't have a, a binding. I mean, when you look at... Uh, um, the book of Matthew, Matthew 4, when he's sent into the wilderness, the enemy tries to trap him with money. He went, no thanks. That, it's just, that, so when Jesus talks about parables that we think are about money, and this is a really important thing to us, and I like money. I love it. But I like money. I like to spend money. I like to buy things. Don't you? Money can't. You know, money isn't life, but makes life easier. I'd rather have money than not have money. But I know this. In any case, no matter how much or how little I've had, God took care of me. When I didn't think I was going to have any, guess who was there? God. The first house Brenda and I bought, it was a duplex. And we were living in it, so it was owned by the people who were in the other side of it. And they wanted us to buy it, so they got their realtor to come to us, and they did all the paperwork. We didn't know what we were doing. We went on vacation and went back home. And when they were all done with it, they paid us $11 to buy it. 
because we had a deposit on the house, and I know that sounds like nothing today, but that, you know, matter of fact, $11 could buy quite a few groceries back then. Uh, and and it, just, it just happened, and all of a sudden we were homeowners that had rental property. And it was God's economy, just worked those things out. I didn't know what I was doing. I grew, up in a poor, I grew up in a poor household that I didn't know we were poor until I got into junior high. And you become very self, you remember those years of becoming self-aware? Like, what's that thing on my nose? You finally, you know. And then I realized, you don't think I have what other kids have. Quite a few of them. But it was okay, we got through it. I ate, I never went without. Um, lost a lot of things but when God is speaking in parables about money he's not talking about money he's talking about his kingdom's economy the principles that he wants us to understand from the use of money it's not about getting more money it's not about having faith to have a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger airplane it's about God's economy and how his principles work. So it's the mode of operation of something. That's even an, actually a definition of economy. It's an organization, a system of interchange and interaction of what we do. And God has principles built around that. So we just read this from from Peter, and it's got different principles in it, but you have to go to Mark 4 to understand this. Because one of the things, like with believers, I was talking with a dear friend this past week, and we were talking about rewards. And there's a whole ugly shtick that goes with rewards, isn't it? But I like rewards. Don't, don't you like to get rewarded? I like attaboys a whole lot better than old brother's. Really, I like attaboys. I like gifts. I like those things. But then there's that issue of, are you doing that to get something? And especially when it comes to your relationship with God. I like the fact that God is a rewarder. It even says in Hebrews, of those that diligently seek him, that he is a rewarder. There's something within the economy of God that he wants to go, oh, attaboy. But there's something in this that says, if I start doing it for the attaboy, and it's probably true, I'll never see it. Because we know you can't do it to get. That's not how God's economy works. I'm going to be nice to you so God's nice to me. It doesn't work that way. However, if you are nice to me, guess who's going to be nice to you? God. What? The issue is motivation, and God looks at the heart of our motivation. Why I do something? What am I doing it for? What, what's in place there? And it's part of the principles of how he operates. Listen to Mark 4. Will you give me just a minute here? Mark 4 says this, and he, he's, he's shared a whole big 
thing, and we'll come back to this. I'm only going to read part of it to you this morning. And he said to them, A lamp is brought to be put, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? And the answer is, No. Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Yes. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to the light, or come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, the minute he says this, by the way, this is something that's repeated 15 times in one form or another in the New Covenant. Now, if under theology... In the study, when something is repeated, the more often it repeated, the more importance it has as a godly principle. So if you study scripture um, and you're doing it properly, they will tell you this. These are the ones that get repeated a whole lot. These are important things because they're repeated so much because we learn through repetition. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. Now to take heed means to not just listen, but apply. So it's taking God's economy and going, wait a minute, he's going to say something here that he wants me to put into the economy of my life. How I choose to live being a believer and being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not to gain access to heaven, not to get a reward, but this is his operating principle. So it's called wisdom. This is the wisdom of God being poured out to it. Take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. Now this was an economic word back in that day especially. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. He's laying out his economy in such a way that he's going, would you please listen to me? And if you listen to me, if that's the measurement, if you take my economy and use that measure, guess what? It's coming back to you. How? And he said to them, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, what's given? What? More. More will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. very interesting concept here God asks us to add and when you do he multiplies if you heed this then he says oh good measurement buddy now get 20 more beyond that it's a reward God rewards it because that's an economic principle in his kingdom, not because you're more special or less special than anybody else. But if we don't heed it, the stuff we have 
drifts away, it dribbles away. He said, you, that'll be taken from you because you're not measuring the right way. One of the greatest wisdom principles we'll ever learn as believers is measure things the right way. Most of us get angry with ourselves when we get critical because when we get critical, we get cynical. When we get cynical, we get judgmental. When we get judgmental, then we're cussing at them or whatever. Or dismissive of them or that they don't count or boy, they're, they're probably under the judgments of God. That's a, that's a favorite one of Christians. They're going to get judged. We don't know who's going to get judged. God knows who's going to get judged. I love it what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham had this principle. Now, if you can hear and heed it this morning, it will bear well with your soul, especially this day. He said this. It's God's role to judge people. It's the Holy Spirit's role to convict people. It's my role to love people. It works really well when I do my role. Amen. That doesn't mean you let anything happen because love has lots of economy in it. But it does mean this. When I'm doing this and I heed this, God measures it back to me. We'll look at it because it's here that he talks about the great, and this is across civilizations and even religions, but it's called the rule of reciprocity, or we call it the golden rule. Treat others because then it'll get measured back to you. And he says, and however you treat people, it will can't measure back to it. And the minute we all start shaking and go, oh, I'm terrible. I really blow this all the time. We immediately go to the negative and that's because of the way you've been taught about God's economy. Jesus never meant this as a caution or a warning or anything like that. He was dis displaying his freedom within himself for us to live in his economy so that we are always living in the precious promises that Peter talked about and the reward of who he is. The best reward you can get in the most difficult times is his presence. Not to escape the difficult times. See, don't get caught in Christianity escapism. It's going to get really bad. And then when it gets really worse, he's going to pull us all out of here. I don't know that. That principle really isn't in the word of God, and especially not in the new covenant. It could get really bad, you guys. Or it could get really good. It could turn tomorrow and something else happen. I don't know, but I know this. When I live in God's economy, I can live securely and I have his presence with me. And that's what counts. So the first principle is when you add, God multiplies. So don't look at it negatively. When you get under, if you will, I'm going to use a Christian term, I don't really like it. When you get under conviction about something you read, okay, the word convict is not a, 
does not connote how God views you. When you get under, like, huh, I haven't been doing that well. That's you starting to heed the word. Guess what? When you heed the word, what does he say? I will reward you now. Were you trying to get a reward? No, you were trying to heed. So heed. So heed. Let go of the earthly and embrace the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to get us to do. That's his economy. Don't depend on the systems of the world. Depend on God. That's what he wants in our lives. That's why he says to you, add to your faith, and we'll come back to that. And the first thing we're supposed to add is virtue, and we'll look at what that is. But God wants to add things to your life. The next thing we'll look at, so the first principle is how God does his reward system. The second thing is what does he reward? You know what it is? Faithfulness. Hmm. What does that mean? We'll look at it. We'll explore it. You look at it. You explore it. By the way, have to close with this. Did anybody have a chance meeting this past week? Yes. You did? Yeah. Did it go well? Yeah. Good. Anybody else have a chance meeting? We prayed for it. We got one miracle. Okay, I'm going to pray for it again. Lord Jesus, I pray for these chance meetings throughout the week that we would see the miracle of God, that we'd see you operate in it, that we wouldn't have... <laughs> Lord, I, pr I pray for every person who struggles with being alone right now, struggles with loneliness, that you would come and meet them this week with a divine encounter of you in their life, even through others. Do this for our sake and do this because it is your will and your economy. And we ask it in the name of Jesus for all of us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love on each other. Thank you.